Welcome in to the newest edition of the Just In Time Sports Podcast. I am your host and owner, Justin Jackson. And this week's episode, we'll be talking about the NFL Week 6. We'll be discussing NFL Week 7. We will have our betting NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. And we will have Jack's Hot Take. We'll also touch on the WNBA Finals as well. Now, as always, don't forget to sit back and get ready to learn something. And also, as always, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the Just In Time Sports Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And also, don't forget to follow and turn on the post notifications for the Just In Time Sports social media handle, at Sports on all your favorite social medias, whether that is X, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, or Twitter. Oh, I said Twitter. Yeah, that's funny. All right, wherever you get your favorite social medias. And as always, don't forget to sit back and get ready to learn something. Last week, you guys know that I'm in fantasy football, so don't ask me how that's going. I'm sure I'm one of the many who are struggling in fantasy football. I'm not winless. I'm not winless in my league. I am 2-4, um, but we're just not going to talk about that. Cool, cool. Let's make it out the way. Make sure there's no right-hand questions this week about it. I'm not going to answer them on purpose. Um, if you know me personally, don't text me about it. Um, if you're a fan, don't DM me or at me about it. I'm not... I'm not going to answer. All right, so <clears throat> moving into the show. So happy to be with you guys on, by the time you guys hear this, a Wednesday morning. I'm excited, man. A lot of great sports going down. Like I said, if you heard the intro, we got the NFL. Uh, of course, with our recap of last week, preview of this week, and our Jacks pack, we have the WNBA Finals roaring up. The MLB playoffs, um, shout out the big win teams. All the 100 win teams are gone. The top five records, I believe, are all gone. Um, and the Astros are teetering. Um, you know, you've got, that's going to be humongous free agencies coming up soon in Major League Baseball. We'll be all over that whenever that comes around. And we'll talk about the NBA Finals. And, of course, we'll have Jack's hot take um, at the end of the show. But let's go right into NFL Week 6, uh, the day of the backup. Honestly, it was in- incredibly wild. Uh, P.J. Walker and Zach Wilson took out the last two undefeated teams. Uh, P.J. Walker, of course, filling in for Deshaun Watson, who's dealing with some sort of shoulder strain situation. Um, and when you've got a quarterback who's guaranteed $230 million fully over the next five years, you take precaution. And so he filled in for Cleveland for uh, against Brock Purdy and the 49ers. And then, of course, um, Zach Wilson obviously filling in for Aaron Rodgers, who went down within a few plays of his New York Jets debut. Um, and so he's technically the back quarterback there. And so he went against Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, injuries, however, beseech the undefeateds. So this, I think, is the earliest in a very long time that the NFL has no undefeated teams. Um, the Niners and the Eagles were the last two teams coming in. Of course, you guys know the 72 Dolphins literally throw a party every year. Someone's no longer undefeated. Um, 
they held their breath in 07 because the Patriots got to the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, both teams went out on the same weekend. It was the first time in, like, since the merger that both undefeated teams lost back quarterbacks. First time since the merger that both undefeated teams lost on the same weekend. It was, like, it was wild with the amount of history that was happening there. Um, but it kind of elevated a point I was trying to make last week, and I actually caught some flack behind, which is my Brock Purdy point. And, you know, I want to commend P.J. Walker, and I want to commend Zach Wilson on playing good enough uh, to win the game. I want to commend both defenses for sure. Um, I mean, there's one clip of Miles Garrett throwing Trent Williams, which I didn't think was physically possible. Um, he got him to Trent Williams' armpit and chucked him, and Trent, hey, Trent lost his balance. Again, I didn't think that was physically possible. And then, of course, the New York Jets absolutely torturing Jalen Hurts for most of the night. Uh, leading Rob Asala to say they've embarrassed some of the quarterbacks they've played in the first few weeks. Quinn and Williams a little more humble, but I can't disagree with what Asala is saying. I mean, they pretty much put the clamps on everybody. Um, but back to the Browns and Niners, more specifically Brock Purdy. I said it last week. Brock Purdy has the advantage of the best roster by far in the NFL. He has the highest paid left tackle. He has the highest paid running back. He has, I believe, the highest paid middle linebacker. He definitely has the highest paid linebacking room. He has an incredibly high paid receiver room and DB room. And he has the highest paid defensive line by a country mile. Why? Because he makes $800,000 a year against the cap. Why? Because he was Mr. Irrelevant in the draft. Why? He wasn't that good in college. The Brock Purdy now is three, four times the quarterback as the Brock Purdy at Iowa State. You want to know what happened to the Brock Purdy at Iowa State? Didn't have a lot of talent around him. Couldn't lift it up. You want to know what happened to Brock Purdy on last Sunday? He didn't have a lot of talent around him. He couldn't lift it up. I know. I know what you're saying. Justin, they, Brock Purdy drove him down the field. Put him in field goal range. And the kicker missed. Welcome to the rest of the NFL. His left tackle got hurt. Welcome to Joe Burrow's life. His running back got hurt. I'm sorry. Has Tua ever had a consistent running back behind him? His star running back's currently hurt in Devon Akin. Oh, oh, but his receivers were dropping the ball. Insert Mac Jones here. He was still had one of the best rosters in the league, especially because of the defense. He just got introduced to what the rest of the NFL goes through. They have a replacement level left tackle. They have all right receivers. They have a decent running back. Guess what? Look at the Chiefs roster. You want their offensive line or the 49ers from your Sunday? Coin flip? You want their receiving room, even with Debo and IU Gimpy? Or you want the Chiefs receiving room with Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, and Prayers? Niners? I give you Isaiah Pacheco is better than the 49ers back, I give you that. But that's about the only difference. So, roster, offense, offense, coin flip? 
even with the injuries, that Niners offensive personnel was still better than the Patriots offensive personnel, which we'll talk about in a minute. How about Jacksonville? Who's their left tackle? No one knows. Running back? They got ETN. ETN's better. Receiver room. Again, even with Ayuk and Debo struggling. Niners? O-line. Niners? Again, ETN is better than McCaffrey. Uh, McCaffrey's backup. So all Brock Purdy did was get introduced to the rest of the life in the NFL, and he didn't muster 20. Not even 20. Couldn't get it done. Now, he got his team in position to win the game. I give him that. He went right down the field when he had to. I give him that. But somehow it always works out for the great ones, no? Works out for the really good ones most of the time. For the average ones or below average ones, something goes wrong where it doesn't work. For Mr. Purdy, it was a missed field goal. He was Mr. Irrelevant for a reason. I'm going to stand on this until it's proven correct. He was Mr. Irrelevant for a reason. For about a half, get the feel of the rest of the NFL felt. By the way, he was playing bad before they got hurt. Before half, he got the feel that the rest of the NFL felt. He looked uncomfortable until the last drive. Just saying, Mr. Purdy. Just saying, people who support him. He better wins before that rookie deals up. Because when his agent goes to the front office and they say, look, my client's 32-7 and seven as their starter. Been to two AF championship games. Been to two NFL championship games. Been to a Super Bowl. I believe he deserves a six-year, $300 million contract. The Niners are going to have to pony up. And then you'll no longer have the highest paid this and the highest paid that and the most talented this and the most talented that. You'll have what you had on Sunday, which, as we saw, was not a whole lot from Mr. Brock Purdy. Supporters of Brock Purdy, people who love the Niners, and be nervous because the reality set in that, well, if you said to Mr. Purdy to lead you, you might as well unhitch the wagon. You're not going very far. But moving into things that aren't irrelevant, although a franchise that used to be former relevant, now they could be sliding into irrelevant C, is unfortunately my New England Patriots. Yes, my Patriots. Sunday was tough. I admit, Sunday was tough. For some reason, we keep drawing the national TV game. I don't get it, but whatever. Sunday was tough. I admit that. Because Sunday, the Las Vegas Raiders scored 21 points. This means that 31 of the 32 NFL teams have scored 20 points in a game this season. The one team that has not, the New England Patriots. However, down 1917, Mac Jones throws his best ball of the night and hits Devontae Parker in the hands and uh, it goes through them because, well, Devontae Parker. Beautiful throw. Front of the corner, left of the safety, gorgeous throw. Hits Devontae Parker in the hands and comes out because, well, it's Devontae Parker. What else? What else would happen, right? 
the New England Patriots have such a lack of accountability and a dearth of talent, unlike anything I've seen from a good franchise in a long time. But they're not openly tanking. Like, I have been proponent of this for the past couple off seasons. Currently, the New Orleans Saints currently are $88 million over next year's cap. They don't make one single roster move. They're $88 million over next year's cap. The NFL is a hard cap. Not one penny over. Again, they're $88 million over next year's cap. That's about as all-in as all-in can be. And yet, they're not a contender. They may not make the playoffs. And they're going to have to do a lot of financial maneuvering in the offseason, like they've done the past four or five offseasons, maybe even six offseasons, to try and keep the roster together and yet somehow not pay the bill for it. Um, Nick Wright has a hilarious analogy for it. It's like Mickey Loomis is spending, like, spending on a credit card like the world's going to end tomorrow. Like, he'll never have to pay the bill for it. That's kind of how the Saints operate. He's never going to have to pay the bill for it, etc. But my remedy to that was, bottom line one year, keep your own draft pick, save whoever is available, come get them, trade Alvin Kamara, trade Michael Thomas, move a couple of those veteran defensive players who can really go make an impact on the championship team, Ty Matthew, Cam Jordan, etc., Demario Davis, Stockpile two, three first round picks, three, four second round picks, a baby of third and fourth, a couple of fifths, three, four, five, six, sixth, a lot of sevens. Rebuild pretty much in one year. If you got 15 draft picks, seven will make your roster, eight make your roster, three will make your practice squad, you miss on four. And have $130 million in free agency ready to go after the draft. Who has taken that approach? Most of that approach. My New England Patriots. <laughs> Excuse me. And I actually didn't even notice they were that was a play until about a week ago. Where somebody was suggesting that they make a trade uh, on Twitter. That they make a trade and then begin to list all the Patriots' assets if that trade would have happened. I think it was Mike Evans, but... And one of the things that included was have their own draft picks and $100 million plus in cash space for next season. And that is without a single deal in place. That's without a restructuring. That's without a stretch and wave. That's without a flat out release. They have a, over $100 million in cap space to do with whatever they please. Um, and so I'm kind of hoping that that's the play in New England. Some fans have begun to call for Bill Belichick's job. I'm over Mac Jones. Um, but I think Robert Kraft's going to try to give Belichick a chance to go out on his sword, which means give him the chance to go out and get the wins record. Um, again, I just ultimately... I'm just looking at it from the perspective of, yes, having $120 million a cap plus 8, 9, 10 draft picks is great. But you got to use that cap space wisely. And you have to um, draft correctly, which is something that Bill has not been the best in the early rounds. But we're going to keep our eye on New England, of course, as I am a huge fan of the Patriots. 
Shout out to Detroit Lions. Um, they had their best 16-game stretch since, like, the mid-1970s or 80s, um, where they are 13-3, and three, which is a tremendous record over their last um, 13, 14 games last year and then bleeding into the first few games this year. Um, the Lions look absolutely great. They're fully bought into Dan Campbell. I remember during the broadcast, they asked one of the players, or they referenced how they asked the player, when did he, when did you buy into Dan Campbell? He said about week 10, he was completely and totally bought in, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, because Dan Campbell used to be a player, but he's got that raw, raw, ready to go run through a brick wall energy naturally. And so he, he turns into who he has turned into for coaching, uh, Dan Campbell really leaves the entire uh, team in a frenzy. Um, so super excited for the Detroit Lions and the Detroit fan base. They absolutely deserve it. They're supporting them. First time they, you know, out of season tickets since they moved into a Ford Field. Uh, so they are supporting the organization uh, and the team is rewarding them with great play in Detroit. The Buffalo Bills are continuing their roller coaster ride ups downs and ups and downs and spins and ups and downs um this season as they struggle i do mean struggle struggle probably is too nice of a word um to get through the new york giants led by tyrod taylor um if tyrod taylor maybe doesn't change the play on the goal line and they get two cracks at it maybe ultimately um they kick a field goal, uh, they get a touchdown, rather, and who knows how that game turns um, with a touchdown by the Giants at the end of the half instead of Tyrod checking to a run and getting stuffed and getting no points. Um, and so that's going to be a very uh, interesting situation to watch in Buffalo because the Giants were awful. They said they had Tyrod Taylor, didn't even have Daniel Jones. Um, they had a makeshift and offensive line with a fourth starting combination as many weeks. Justin Pugh, who hilariously said from the couch we're doing his player introductions to play guard, ended up playing the position he was drafted for, which is tackle. However, he wasn't good at tackle, so they moved him into guard, and he ended up at left tackle, um, just getting just getting abused out there um, at left tackle, starting to get some false starts and all kind of stuff. And so that's the situation that uh, the Bills were playing against, a team that was hurt and ragged. And the Bills just absolutely teed off, um, sending pressure and doing everything they could to disrupt Tyrod's timing. And ultimately, it was just good enough. But the Bills have some issues there offensively. Um, Brian Dable and the coach of the Bills, Sean McDermott, clearly had a very, very quick handshake. Um, just about as fast as you can make it, honestly. Um, and so the Bills are just fighting for their lives right now, to me, in order to stay afloat. Because something's going on with that offense. And then lastly, of course, the injury bug always sucks. So Lane Johnson injured himself. Uh, hopefully he doesn't miss too much time, uh, but he is injured. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, who we spoke about earlier, is considered week to week with his injury. Um, and then the quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill, Justin Fields, um, Jimmy G, uh, all suffered injuries as well. Uh, hopefully nothing too serious. And of course, Trevor Lawrence as well. Uh, hopefully nothing too serious, no more than three weeks for any of them. Uh, but they all, or three-fourths of them, might be sitting the week in order to make sure their bodies are fully healed. But up next, we're going to shift to the NFL Week 7 and talk about what's going down there.
Welcome back into the show. And now we're going to jump into NFL Week 7, which begins Thursday night, of course. But we are not going to talk about Thursday night game because mainly I don't care. All right, but there will be a few games that we will discuss, um, starting off with the Commanders and the Giants. Of course, as you guys know, if it isn't Jack's pack, I won't pick it. I'll just talk about it. And then, of course, we'll talk about it a little bit more and a little bit more in depth when it comes to Jack's pack. But because uh, he won't pick it, I won't really give you guys away my picks. Uh, but the Commanders at the Giants. This is a game between two teams in a very interesting position. As we just saw, the Giants with Tyrod Taylor is not bad. Now, there's no guarantee that Tyrod Taylor started this week. Daniel Jones could very well be back. And if Daniel Jones is back, I'm sure they'll open up the playbook a little bit more. But Daniel Jones is out because he got beat to smithereens behind a tattered offensive line. Update, the offensive line has not gotten better. Um, and so, it's a 50-50 on whether they can produce points. I mean, they did it on Buffalo's defense which is not the world's stoutest defense, but it's not bad by any means. Um, and so that is going to be interesting there. Uh, but if you look at the Giants' defense, they've got a defense too. They put a hurting on Buffalo's offense. Brian Dable clearly came in with a plan, shorten the game, don't make mistakes, uh, take advantage of opportunities where you get them. We're Tyrod Taylor checking, not checking out of a run, keeping the pass on for maybe them going into halftime up 16-0, and who knows what happens in that second half. Um, but, you know, that's what happened there in, in uh, Buffalo. And so the Giants being a team that can fight and contend with Buffalo, we believe Buffalo's a good team, me, most of the media. We believe Buffalo is a good team. Super Bowl contender, dark horse Super Bowl contender out of the AFC. Division winner, level team out of the AFC East. Pretty little division these days. And New York right there, what for what with them? With makeshift offensive line, with a backup quarterback, they were right there. So it's going to be a very interesting game in East Weatherford uh, this weekend. Again, we will pick it in Jack's Pack. Lions at Ravens. Another game that is in Jack's Pack. Another game with two teams that are pretty hot. Uh, so the Ravens, for the first time, are starting to get a little healthy. Uh, they were pretty beat up earlier in the season. Lamar Jackson was kind of making some magic, keeping them afloat. Um, the new offense seemed to be fitting him well with Todd Munkin as offensive coordinator. But they were kind of making things work, kind of shape-shifting and shape-bending an offense, um, a team really, around the fact that the Ravens were pretty beat up. But now, again, for the first time all season, they're starting to get healthy. Uh, first time since the preseason, really. They're starting to get healthy. Uh, so that is a huge advantage for the Ravens. They are starting to put together their actual roster so people, can, so people can see, like them, what it actually looks like. However, the Lions, we spoke about them earlier. They're 13-3 and in their last 16. 13-3 uh, and is a number one seed level team. Uh, their offense now is flying everywhere. Their defense is always out. Uh, Dan Campbell has those guys believing that you can put 100 brick walls in front of them, and they'll each, each one of them individually will pass through all 100 walls. You got a team believing like that. You got the talent that they have uh, in Detroit. You've got a very dangerous ball club. And so Detroit uh, goes to the Baltimore Ravens um, in a very interesting contest there. Packers at Broncos. A game I can't give you who I think will win. I think it's going to be the Broncos. 
Jordan Love, for some reason, is having an issue getting started. Um, he plays a good fourth quarter. He'll have a rough first three quarters. It's giving very Tim Tebow vibes. When Tebow would be absolutely or horrible, like two for 11 in the first three quarters, throwing the ball. And then in the fourth quarter, he's eight for 10, a buck 42, two touchdowns. And it's just like, what is this? Um, and so I kind of get a similar feeling from Jordan Love. Where he's he hadn't been Tim Tebow bad. I don't think his NFL quarterback did a lot of be Tim Tebow bad. Because Tim Tebow was absolutely god awful and a disgrace to the position as a whole. Um, but he hasn't been Tebow bad, obviously, but he's been struggling in the first three quarters. And then that fourth quarter, he'll turn it up. That second half, he'll turn it up. I just wonder if playing a Denver team where you're turning up, be down 17 0, and then Denver is just using Russell Wilson's IQ to win games. Um, because Denver's in an interesting spot. I don't think they have their own pick. Or maybe it's the first year they have their own pick again. Um, but they're in no incentive to lose because they have their franchise quarterback. They have no incentive, no benefit, no anything into losing the game. They have their franchise guy. Whenever you have your franchise guy, there's no benefit in getting a high draft pick because all you, everyone trying to get a high draft pick looking for a quarterback. Um, and so when you have... A team like that um, in Denver who's still trying. Now, there's some fissures and fractures in the locker room, reportedly, and that people are out on the roster construction. They want a new roster brought in. They want a bevy of other things done. Sean Payton is looking to see some more control in the organization. As you guys know, he pretty much had all but final say in New Orleans. Mickey Loomis ultimately decided but Sean had pretty much day-to-day operations as far as roster construction. And so he's looking to get more of a hands-on role with the roster overall um, in the not-so-distant future. Um, but it is incredibly interesting the Packers and the Broncos kind of on what scale they're on. Um, as far as the winner, I'm going to go with the Broncos. Again, I just think Jordan Love snaps or Jordan Love starts are just a little bit too slow. Chargers at Chiefs, another game we're allowed to pick, or I'm going to pick, because it's not in Jack's pack. And in this contest, I have the Chiefs, but I think it's going to be a dogfight. Chargers are interesting, because the Chargers had a very emotional game last week against the Cowboys. It was trying to be the Killer More Revenge game. It ended weird. Um, and so I just think that the Chargers are going to come out there incredibly focused, they're going to pick out a Chiefs defense that can be had. Although it's been pretty decently stout, they can be had. Uh, and I think they get an interception or two off Patrick Mahomes as well. But on the Chiefs side, the Chargers really have been unimpressive this year. Now, their offense has been unimpressive as far as the Chiefs is concerned. It's not doing what it usually does. It hasn't been its usual level since Tyreek Hill left. Um, but it hasn't been anywhere in, in the area of normal ever since Eric Bieniemy left. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little sick this guy. I'm a little sick this week, but I'm powering through for you guys. Um, but it hasn't been his true level since Eric Bieniemy left, um, who is offense coordinator now in Washington. And so that's what's going on with Kansas City. Uh, I do think Kansas City, like I said, wins this game. I just think it's close. I'm talking like 34, 31, 30 to 27, something like that where it's a dogfight in the end. Um, 
not really whoever has ball last wins, but a situation where if Her- Herbert has the ball down three with 150 left, I'm nervous if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs fan base. And then lastly, Dolphins at Eagles, a game that is in our Jacks pack. Um, so we will not pick it right now. This is going to be an interesting game between two teams, kind of on opposite sides of the spectrum. If you're the Eagles, you were riding high, you were undefeated, you had challenges, sure, but you were getting through them one by one, and then you lose Lane Johnson. And then you lose the game. And not only do you lose it, you lose to Cleveland for the first time ever. Not only do you lose to Cleveland for the first time ever, you um, you completely wet the bed there. Jalen Hurts has his worst offensive performance, three interceptions, and Cleveland had their backup quarterback, who two years ago was in the uh, USFL, the XFL, one of the FLs, in the spring league, earning MVP, XFL, earning MVP of the league and just getting a trial with the Panthers to see if he can make it at the NFL level. Um, so that's what the Eagles lost to. Going for the Dolphins looked absolutely horrible for a quarter against the Carolina Panthers, um, who are winless and, to me, the worst team in the league. They were absolutely distraught and awful, um, the Dolphins were in that first half. Um, so bad so that a couple the Dolphins fan I knew was incredibly quiet until after the Dolphins started charging back. Um, this game is in our Jacks pack, so we're not going to discuss it right now. We're going to wait until we get to our Jacks pack, um, which is coming up in just a couple of minutes. But just some quick hitter news. Grover Stewart has been uh, the he was the Carolina Panthers. Can't remember correctly right now. Um, has been spending six games for a PED usage. Um, Aaron Rodgers before the game with the Jets was throwing on the field with no crutches, moving and flexing that ankle. Absolutely ridiculous. Whatever alternative measure he's found seems to have worked. And. Julio Jones has joined the Philadelphia Eagles on a one-year deal. Uh, the former seven-time Pro Bowler is trying to find a last ride home. Uh, he's looking for somewhere he can still compete for a spot for reps and also compete for a title. And he thinks he's done that in Philadelphia. But up next, we're going to shift to our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pat. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to jump into our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. Last week, unfortunately, was another losing week for us as we went 2-3, and three, bringing our total to 14-16. and 16. However, we did nail our lock. So our locks this year are now 4-2. and two. Again, for those of you who are just joining us, our locks are our two-unit bets. So if you're traditionally a $100 better, your lock would be, and that's one unit for you. Your lock is a two-unit bet, so it's $200. If you're a $10 person, your lock's $20. If you're a $5 person, your lock's $10, whatever. Um, but a two-unit a bet is what you would normally gamble on a game. So if you went to your local casino, your local app, whatever, they say, I'm going to put $20 on game. A game. That's your unit. 
So each or these individual five games are one unit bets, except for a lock, which is a two unit bet, because again, we're locking that in. Uh, pretty much guaranteeing that's going to hit. We're four and two so far in the season. Uh, on that 14 and 16 overall, I spoke about it before. To be a professional gambler, you want to hit consistently 55 to 56 percent of your bets, uh, and that's how you be a professional gambler, not parlays. Parlays, not how you be a pro gambler. You would take $500. You have five different things you want to hit. You would take $500, and you would want to hit on four of those things to make your money. That's how you be a pro gambler, people. Or three of those things to be a pro gambler. Like you're not gonna hit parlays. 56% of the time, those seven, eight-leg parlays, 56% of the time, and make your money. It's not happening. Uh, you want to go, if you make 100 bets throughout a year, you want to win 56% of them. You'll be profitable. You can be a pro gambler. Just that simple. But, anyway, into the NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack, or back on track to Jack's Pack. Uh, the first game, which is our lock of the week, is Patriots versus Bills. Uh, Bills minus eight and a half. Take the Bills. The New England Patriots are a mess. I love my Patriots. They're an absolute mess. The Patriots have not scored 20 points all season. I don't see a reason why they would Sunday. I don't see a reason why they would score more than 13 on Sunday, which means I'm telling, which means I'm saying the Bills, who Stephon Diggs already tortures the Patriots when he sees them, the Bills have to not score 22. Or 20, have to score 21 or less. I think it's a safe bet for the Bills. I think the Bills win the game pretty easy. I think the Bills might win 27-10. Uh, it's just one of the situations where the Patriots, they're not even doing long drives to get field goals. It's like three and out punts. So I can envision a world where it's into the first quarter and it's 17-0 and the game's over. Like, I just think that New England's an absolute mess. Uh they got Bill Belichick and cartoons pulling on Kayla Williams' jersey, like, come save us. I mean, it's just an absolute disaster in New England right now. And I think the Bills are going to take advantage of it, especially after a struggling offensive week. The Josh Allen effect, he's down one week. That means he's up the next. Um, and so I have um, the Bills covering the eight and a half as my lock of the week. Uh, Bills over Patriots. Lions. Next game, Lions plus three over the Ravens. Take the Lions. I think the Lions win the game all right. Um, I just think they're a better football team than Baltimore right now. I trust their quarterback a little bit more. I trust their head coach a little bit more. I trust their health a little bit more. Uh, even though they just lost their running back, I trust their health, their quarterback, and their head coach a little bit more than I do right now Baltimore's trio. I trust their receivers a little bit more than I do Baltimore's receivers. Um, I just trust the Lions, oddly. Uh, more than I trust the Ravens right now. Uh, I just think the Ra- Lions win the game all right. So, of course, they easily cover the plus three. Take the Lions. The third game, Dolphins plus two at Eagles. Take the Dolphins. I didn't understand this line here. I really didn't. If it would have said Dolphins minus two, how did I stay away from it? But if I would have blindly guessed it, I would have said Dolphins minus three, three and a half. Now, you're probably wondering, man, that's a big number. That Eagles defense. Oh, yeah, you're right. The Eagles defense is spectacular. But it's the University of Georgia's defense, effectively. What was the University of Georgia's defense weakness against 2019 LSU? It wasn't the run game. It was I can get sideways. So when they got Waddle going one way, Tyreek going another way, and 
Chosen Anderson going somewhere and Mostert's running zone action. Like, that's a lot of different speed elements running at you all at one time. The Eagles defense kind of built to play in a phone booth, not really looking to go sideline to sideline for the most part. I think the Dolphins could play the big guys of Philly off the field, make the goal a little smaller. Once it goes smaller, now the zone's in action. Um, it could be one of those games where I just think the Dolphins just match up really well against the Eagles. Um, again, another game I think the Dolphins win straight up outright. So, of course, they cover the plus two. Take the Dolphins. Commanders plus two at the Giants. Take the Commanders. Another line I didn't understand. Uh, again, if it had been Commanders minus two, I'd probably stay away from it because it would have fit. Uh, but the Giants have offensive ineptitude written all over it, even with Daniel Jones. The amount of pressure the Commanders are going to cause up front, they're going to fold that makeshift offensive line into pieces. Um, I'm sure Saquon's the focal point. And with Daniel Jones having to run and throwing the run and stuff like that, it's not really what he's built for. Built to run, but he's not really built to throw on the run accurately as he struggles throwing in the pocket accurately. And so I just think that the Commanders cause way too much pressure up front. Ron Rivera gets in his bag a little bit um, and creates all kind of havoc for the Giants. Commanders plus two, take the Commanders. And lastly, Cleveland minus two at the Colts. Now, Jonathan Taylor is there for the Annapolis Colts. He is. He was there last week. And I struggle to... I struggle with the thought of the Colts keeping pace with Cleveland. Now, P.J. Walker is nobody's megastar. And I don't think he scores more than 20, 24 points. That means the Colts have to get at least 18. 18 and 22 points, depending on where it falls on the, on the Colts' uh, banner. And I don't think they could do it. Cleveland's defense is absolutely elite. They're used to carrying bad offenses. Now they're carrying actually a pretty solid offense with an injured quarterback. I just think that Cleveland continues to put on their show defensively and uh, take care of the Colts pretty easily uh, by about eight or nine points, again, which will easily cover the minus two. So to run back through, you got Bills, uh, lock of the week, minus eight and a half over the Patriots, Lions plus three over the Ravens, Dolphins plus two over the Eagles, Commanders plus two over the Giants, and uh, Cleveland minus two over the Colts. Now, up next, we're going to shift to the WNBA and talk about what's happening in the finals. Welcome in to the WNBA Finals portion of the Justice Time Sports Podcast. We're going to jump right into the coverage. We are running into Game 4, which goes down, by the time you guys hear this, tonight, between the Las Vegas Aces and the New York Liberty. Now, it is currently a 2-1 series with the Aces being up in a best of five. So, the Aces are one win away, whether it be in Game 4 or in Game 5 away from claiming uh, their back, their second WNBA title in as many seasons, 
going back to back for the first time since the Sparks in 2000-2001, which, of course, the Comets started off the league with four straight titles in Houston. Uh, Bad ownership is the only reason that thing folded because they were absolutely monstrous. They had air swoops. They had uh, the rest of the crew there as well. They won four straight titles. The Houston Comets were untouchable. And then Lisa Leslie Sparks went back-to-back in 2000-2001, somewhere in there, uh, which L.A. was king of basketball because, of course, the Lakers three-peat from 2000-2002. Four straight finals, of course, going 0-3, but losing to the Pistons. Um, Absolutely great series so far. The Aces dominated in Las Vegas. Absolutely dominated in Vegas. It was so bad, I was concerned it was sweep. Oh, I said, man, it'd be a um, a ladylike sweep. You know, I would say a gentleman sweep, 4-1. It'd be a ladylike sweep, 3-1. I just didn't think the Liberty had the ability to win more than one game. Um, Asia Wilson was making statements in the first two games because the WNBA 2K cover athlete is Sabrina Ionescu, um, who's on the Liberty. And the WNBA MVP is Brianna Stewart, who's on the Liberty. Asia Wilson came in second in the cover voting, more than likely, and she came in a very narrow second for the MVP. So Asia was showing the entire basketball world, I'm the best player in this league. I'm the MVP. I'm the face. Like, this league comes through me, basically. If you have a problem, it comes through me. Pretty much like Candace Parker did early in her Sparks career. Maybe Maya Moore rose up. Except like that, but Candace was saying, I'm, I'm the face of this league. I'm the best player in this league. It goes through me. Um, and ultimately, Candace went about titles, injuries, poor roster management, etc. Kind of prohibited her from winning as many titles as she should have. But she's on this team now. So I'm sure she's telling Asia what Lisa Leslie told her. This is your league. Go take it. And so Asia Wilson dominated the first two games. And then it comes out to game three. I figured the Liberty were going to win game three. Getting swept was not in the cards. Because this has been a brewing finals for months. Since the since the offseason. Whenever the Aces off their title, add Candace Parker and fill in the rest of their bench. And then the Liberty trade for Brianna. No, free agent Brianna Stewart I already have Sabrina in that school. Trade for John Quill Jones. They already brought in Stephanie Dolson. Like, that was going to be their roster. And it's like, oh, they, they get Courtney Vandersloot. And you pretty much, they hire Sandy Brondello. And you pretty much see, like, this is who's going to go at it. You know, like, it's going to be Liberty and Aces. I'm excited to see what the Mercury do. Uh, Matt Ishbia is going to give the Mercury a $100 million practice facility. And he hired he hired a Detroit Pistons assistant coach as their head coach. He makes him the highest paid head coach in WNBA history. I wonder if Mark Davis ups uh, the pay of Becky Hammond because of it. Uh, but WNBA teams are skirting around the rules about no private gesture or that kind of stuff. But the Liberty have a great facility. The Aces have a world class facility. They're in the finals. So now Matt Ishbia is going to invest in the Mercury the same way. Anyway, so these two teams have been on a collision course since the offseason. I knew a sweep wasn't in the cards. It didn't, not that it didn't make sense, not that it's rigged, it didn't make sense, but 
Continue to be too talented. Either side getting swept doesn't make sense. So they're either going to go into game three. The Liberty as expected come our rule. And then injuries start to happen for the Aces. Now the Aces are down two starters. Chelsea Gray is on a cart and a boot. The other starter is out. She's not playing the more than series. Chelsea Gray is out for game four. It is very likely she's out at game five if necessary. Which means that which means the Aces big three are gonna have to win them game. Well, three of the big five. Cause at first it was Jackie Young, Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray, Candace Parker, Asia Wilson. That was your five in Vegas. Right? That was your star study five. That was your five. Candace Parker's out. Chelsea Gray's out. So that leaves Kelsey, Chelsea, and Asia. Kelsey Plum. Everybody fell in love with her at literally fell in love with her last parade. Uh, oh, Jackie Young, I'm sorry. Jackie Young, not, not Chelsea, not Kelsey, Jackie, and Asia. Jackie Young is the WNBA's highest paid player per year. Asia Wilson, she believes she's the best player on the planet. In order for the Aces to win this series, they're going to have to go win a game. And what I mean by them, those three are going to have to get off the bus with 65 points. Asia put up 25. Jackie pitching 20, Kelsey pitching 20. They're going to have to get off the bus with 65 points. Pray to the rest of their teammates and get 15 more, and they play good enough defense to win a game 80-72. to I mean, that's how they're going to have to win this series because it sucks that injuries stop the true collision course because the Liberty is healthy. The Aces are not down Candace Parker, the other starter whose name was Casey, and Chelsea Gray. And are three very pivotal players that are supposed to impact the series against the New York Liberty. So if the Aces don't win game four, it's they're going to have all the home court advantage of the world in game five, but all the pressure's on them in game five to avoid getting come back off 2-0. In their home building, uh, the Liberty beat them in the Commissioner Cup. The Liberty beat them three out of four times they played in the regular season. Like, the Liberty have had their number. The Aces came on the first two games and dominated, led by Asia Wilson. So, we very have to see how game four goes uh, because they're going to be in a war without uh, their point guard, Chelsea Gray. I I believe the Aces ultimately do win the championship. I think winning in game four. I think Asia, again, Asia, Jackie, and Kelsey just say, look, one game, we got to do this. And they, they score 65, 70 points for the three of them. They get the rest of the teammates to fill up the 10, and they win an ugly 77-72 kind of game, and they hoisting a championship in Brooklyn before flying back to Vegas for all the partying in the world. But up next, we're going to shift into Jack's hot take with a little big panics energy. final segment our jacks hot take which is going to be a little big Penix energy uh for standout washington quarterback michael Penix jr the left-handed assassin uh the person whose name almost got desmond howard and a lot of twitter 
trouble. For lack of better energy, he tried to repeat RG3's famous line of Big Penix energy, and it kind of sounded like the other thing, which Penix sounds incredibly similar to something else. Um, and so it uh, got Desmond Howard into a lot of fire on Twitter, aka X. Um, and so. Anywho, Michael Penix Jr., the left-handed assassin, like I said, out of Washington, wins a war against Bo Nix and the Oregon Ducks, um, and outgunned Bo Nix gun for gun pretty easily. Uh, ultimately, Oregon kept it close, had a shot to win it at the buzzer, uh, missed a field goal. But to me, that did a couple of things. To me, that secured Michael Penix, the second quarterback off the board in the draft. He's better than Drake May. I don't think Shadour Shannon is coming out this year. He's better than Bo Nix. We've seen it. He's not He's not better than Caleb Williams, although they'll have a chance to go at each other. He's not better than Caleb Williams, but again, they'll have their shot to go at each other. And it also secured Michael Penix Heisman. Barring Caleb, play Caleb Williams and Caleb massively outplays Penix, which I don't see happening, Michael Penix is delivering a Heisman trophy to the University of Washington. Jaden Daniels has already lost the game for LSU, although he's absolutely rolling. I think they'll lose another one. Caleb Williams played absolutely god-awful and got destroyed on national television by Notre Dame. Bo Nix just got outplayed by Michael Penix. Shadur Sanders is going to win enough football games. So that pretty much clears the map uh, for Michael Penix Jr. to win uh, Washington's first ever Heisman. Uh, I want to say Jake Locker won a Heisman, but that's, that can't be true. So uh, to secure Washington Huskies Heisman, campaign he's currently the betting favorite i think he gets it done um i think i have steep road ahead of him but i just think he gets it done two in national tv games everyone's falling head over heels for him now i think that he secures washington's first heisman and he ends up being the second quarterback off the board hopefully to the new england patriots um but we will see about that but thank you for joining me this week my apologies on the voice I'm a little sick this week. I'm all right, though. I'm on the back end of it, popping a bunch of day cool and night cool. Um, but I am on the back end of it, so I appreciate your thoughts. And again, I'm all right. So my voice is a little nasally because I'm a little sick. It's all right. But I appreciate you guys rocking with me over these last 50, 51 minutes. Um, as always, this is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.